0: This is the Spatial Navigator podcast brought to you by NanoString. Here at NanoString, we believe that spatial genomics is at the forefront of discovery and translational biology research. We present the work that researchers are doing in the field and share our initiatives to engage and support them. Today, we have such an exciting conversation for you. We host Dr. Matilda Baobi and Dr. Tong Wang from the Queensland Brain Institute in Brisbane, Australia. We talk about neurooscillations oscillations and region specific stroke response and their work on neuromodulation as a means of reducing damage caused by stroke and potentially extending the window for treatment. Um, so to start off Dr. Balvi and Dr. Wang, could I get a brief introduction uh, and the background to your academic journey? What inspired you to study neuroscience and in particular strokes?
1: Yeah, so um, I'm Dr. Matilde Baldi, and uh, I am a neuroscientist and a group leader at the Queensland Brain Institute in uh, Brisbane, Australia. And I studied uh, medical biotechnology at the University of Naples uh, in, uh, in Italy, which is my hometown. I, let's say that I have always been uh, uh, interested in how the brain works. It's what makes us who we are. We perceive and experience life with our brain and our personalities, preferences and choices are generated in the brain. So I decided to get my PhD in neuroscience uh, at the University of Munich in uh, Germany. And here it's where I worked on cerebrovascular function under various conditions, including health aging and small vessel diseases, which are responsible for microinfarcts, so small strokes. And this is a condition that underlies um, subcortical dementia. In this period, I also worked on subarachnoid hemorrhage, which is a deadly subtype of stroke. And uh, learning the extent to which an alteration to the brain can Suddenly, change parts of who we are and what uh, we are able to do had a profound impact on me. Um, So, that's how I first uh, got involved in uh, stroke research and uh, learning about the the challenges that um, stroke survivors face and the few uh, options that are available to them motivated me to investigate new new therapeutics uh, for stroke recovery and that's why I joined um, Professor Smurfy's group at the University of British Columbia in Vancouver in Canada uh, to continue my postdoctoral studies and uh, this eventually led to my current position as an assistant professor here in uh, Australia.
2: Hi everyone, Uh, I am Dr. Tong Wang. Uh, I studied biomedical engineering for my uh, undergraduate and master's degree in Fudan University, Shanghai, China, and I find engineering is a very uh, cool field um, as I can build things to solve problems. Uh, After that, I got an opportunity to do my Uh, PhD in uh, University of Queensland, Australia to investigate how the brain functions during uh, memory and learning using electro, uh, electrophysiological uh, techniques. Uh, When I finished my PhD, and that's when Dr. Matilda Balbi joined uh, Consent Brain Institute as a group leader, Um, her group focused on understanding um, the intrinsic um, uh, neuron protective mechanism of uh, neuromodulation after stroke. Um, As stroke is... One of the leading courses for death and adult disability, I find is a great opportunity to join the lab and tackle the medical problems to help patients with um, what I learned from my PhD and undergraduate and master's. Um, That's how I find my path to the stroke field.
0: Could I get you to describe what is happening under Dr. Balbi's group currently?
2: Yeah, I will just give a very brief introduction of my project, which I'm currently working on in Matilda's lab. So uh, I use uh, electrophysiology uh, and optogenetic techniques to uh, detect neuron activities and modulate neuron activities in the brain and study how neurons basically interact with each other, as well as with uh, brain waves, also known as neuron oscillations. More particularly, I'm uh, very interested in a phenomenon called synaptic plasticity which means the brain can uh, adapt itself to uh, suit the changing environment and it plays a very critical role in uh, a critical role in uh, stroke recovery so we want to investigate how brain stimulation or neuron modulation uh, can facilitate this process after stroke um, the main
1: goal of my uh, research is to understand the intrinsic mechanisms of the brain to heal itself. Um, Understanding some of the restorative processes that naturally occur in the brain can produce some unique strategies that can be adapted for therapeutic purposes. In my studies, in our studies here, we use different modalities of stimulation in awake mice after they have received stroke. Um, We combine these with live two-photon imaging or uh, mesoscale imaging of the cortex through a cranial window. By directly observing the, the brain, we can track how uh, neuronal activity is disrupted after stroke, as well as how it accommodates to a new state to restore metabolic balance and minimize what it could be a permanent damage. Uh, we also employ different modalities of stimulation, such as electrical, uh, visual, tactile, and uh, optogenetic stimulation, to enhance the patterns of neuronal activity that are associated with a smaller lesion size and improved regional blood flow and behavioral outcome. In addition to studying general patterns of neuronal activity, that may eventually lead to a better outcome for for stroke. We also use machine learning algorithms to uh, monitor activity and customize parameters of stimulation at the individual level for an optimal uh, result.
0: So when you say like machine learning, does the generated procedure work across different mice?
1: Yeah, I mean the idea is that we get information from the brain and um, from the behavioral performance that the mouse is uh, is doing, we feed those information into an algorithm and the, and the algorithm basically sets different parameters of stimulation that are according to the the, the signature of the brain that of that specific subject right and the, obviously also the mode of performance
0: so. Could you go over some of the stimulation methods that that you employ?
1: Yeah, so we are using transcranial electrical stimulation specifically. This is one of the type of stimulations that we do uh, because we do uh, modulate the frequency of stimulation. So this is something we need to consider um, because we have found um, that specific... Frequency of stimulation will lead to a beneficial effect, right? So, what we do is really trying to take advantage of specific patterns of activity that we are able to generate in the brain, Uh, and this is the key uh, for our for the kind of projects that
2: we do in the lab. For for this specific project, we are working on, like work with nanostrain, we used optogenetic stimulation, and this is I'm not sure if the audience is familiar with optogenetics, basically it's an artificial opt way we, we can like induce into into the neurons and different subtypes of a neuron, which allows us to modulate the specific type of neuron we want. It's more, uh, I, I would say more precise. And we basically targeted a subtype of neuron called interneuron. Um, and. To stimulate as Matilda introduced with a specific frequency, which allows us to induce neural oscillations in, in the brain, which can facilitate motor functional recovery after stroke. Um, yeah, so that's the project, um, I'm working on.
0: Actually, I was reading one of your papers, Dr. Wang, and it was, uh, on the, the hippocampus and, and, uh, novel, novel object discovery. Um, and then using optogenetics to silence the That's uh,
2: That's silence. exactly the, the technique I'm uh, also using in Matilda's lab. Um, so we can manipulate a specific type of neuron or a specific uh, neuron circuit or certain brain region. Um, like opt- optogenetics, is a very powerful um, technique which allows us to do more flexible modulation in, in the brain. Which helps a lot uh, like, with basic science because we can then um, investigate the mechanism of stroke recovery.
0: I also noticed that a lot of a lot of the mice that that were undergoing treatment were within were within very narrow time frames, um, and I think the the typical treatment for stroke, if if time allows for it, uh, is TPA, but then it has to be done very soon post stroke. Would the methods that you're using on on mice be um, have you tried on longer time frames or was that just uh, the restrictions of the experiment?
1: Yeah, so for the moment we have tested the acute phase uh, after stroke and acute intervention. So we are able with our model to induce our stimulation within minutes following stroke induction. But definitely we will need. Different time points of intervention, as you mentioned, the TPA is the only option available, right? And that needs to be administrated within four to five hours after stroke induction. So um, the goal for any therapeutic intervention that we um, we're working on, especially when we're speaking of brain stimulation, is to really try to extend this therapeutic window that we are at the moment very you know limited uh, too so yeah more study more work needs to be done to understand until what time point we can push you know and uh, our stimulations so that we can have an effect
0: we've been talking about stroke for about 10 to 15 minutes but could i get a very general description of the neurological changes post-stroke
1: well, maybe we can even start saying what is a stroke, right? So basically, um, when blood flow uh, cannot supply uh, oxygen and important nutrients to brain cells, brain cells die. And basically a stroke is an, is an obstruction in the vasculature that doesn't allow blood flow to really bring nutrients and oxygen to brain cells. There are different types of stroke. You can have an occlusion or you can even have a leakage and a rupture of a vessel. After the occurrence of a stroke, and I mean, a lot depends also on the side uh, where the stroke occurs, right? There, is, there are differences according to where the stroke occurs then the clinical manifestations are going to be different according to the the site affected. Usually in our models, we target the area between the sensory and motor cortex responsible for sensory and motor impairments. And that's because it's very easy for us to then evaluate their behavioral performances. That's why we choose and we target that region. If the stroke will occur in the hippocampus, for example, since we were talking about it, we could have a completely different set of impairments that probably would will be, will be involving more um, memory.
0: Other things like emotional stability as well?
1: Absolutely. I mean, this is a big component. Very often, we don't hear enough about it. There are a series of mental health effects that stroke has, that stroke leads to, that in a way create like a vicious circle, right? Because if the patient is affected, it's going to be very hard for them to feel motivated to do rehabilitation. And that create even more uh, problems so yeah definitely this is something that more studies need to be done in that direction as well so it's not just about the behavioral deficits it's, it, it, it's also a different sphere that involves like uh, the mental state of the patient
0: it reminds me of a so i i run a separate podcast and i was talking to a friend who's doing her doctor of physiotherapy And then talking about uh, sarcopenia and the aged losing, losing muscle as they age, but then the ability to do things that they were very able to do before are not so in reach anymore and that both affects the mental state and prevents them from wanting to rehabilitate or gain strength. And they sort of end up in resignation and that seems just like that, that uh, vicious cycle that, that you were describing am i right to say that if they don't do the the motor rehabilitation then eventually that function might deteriorate further
1: absolutely absolutely i mean physical therapy is part of the i mean motor rehabilitation is a big part of the rehabilitative process of a stroke patient of a stroke survival absolutely
0: how important is it to understand tissue heterogeneity particularly in, in your field?
1: Heterogeneity is an essential concept in neuroscience, as many other fields. Composition and function of brain cells differs according to the brain regions we are looking at. The communication between cellular components of the brain vary depending on their location within specific anatomical or functional brain region. Even the susceptibility to certain diseases can be region specific, so it's really important to take that into consideration. And it's also very important to develop tools that allow to study regional heterogeneity. And with techniques that are continuously uh, improving to provide better access to the brain, it's not really hard to think about discovering even new specializations of the brain that we are currently not even aware of.
0: Given that... Uh, transcranial stimulation methods, mechanisms are unknown. How would we go about understanding those mechanisms? And are there any present investigations into it?
1: I will start by saying that there is um, a clear need for further development of non-invasive treatment options for stroke patients. You're right that some of the mechanisms behind this sort of stimulation are not fully understood. There is a huge variability in responses between the patients uh, and more research needs to be done. So what I can tell you about a strategy that you know, we use in the lab, which is to combine automated assessments of brain activity with individualized treatment using... Uh, artificial intelligence based computation. And this is what gives us an opportunity to really tailor our parameters of stimulations. Because when we speak of why stimulations work in some patients and why they don't in others, I think a way to go is really to take advantage of uh, technologies that allow us to tailor our, our stimulation. And this is the strategy that we use in the lab.
0: By tailoring the effect that it has on, on the subject's brain, what you're saying is that there are different ways in which you can change, uh, parameters around, for example, frequency, amplitude.
1: You can definitely change frequency amplitude, but you can also change, and this is something in, st- in the stroke field, there's a lot of discussion uh, on when to start the interventions and for how long. Those are two key concepts for uh, that are essential to understand for clinicians. And this is something that we can uh, we can in our preclinical models, we have much more freedom to play with these sorts of things. And uh, this eventually will improve the way that these methods are implemented in the clinics. So, yes.
0: Can I ask both of you, and perhaps Dr. Wang, I can start with you, how you feel about spatial transcriptomics and how it can assist you in your work? Mm,
2: I think it's a very uh, powerful tool, and it's a very popular tool right now as well. Because I think um, one of the disadvantage of like very traditional RNA sequencing is that it could not give you spatial information, and um, for stroke uh, study, um, specifically for us, I think. Sp- Spatial information is very important as when we induce stroke in the animal model or when stroke happens in patients, there was a core area where the um, damage could not be reversed. However, there is also an area called the penumbra that's the surrounding area of the core area and giving enough blood supply and nutrients, the synaptic plasticity could happen in this brain region or enhance the connectivity in this penumbra area with other uh, brain regions to compensate this damage. So it's very critical for us to understand what is happening in specific, this penumbra area, not just a whole stroke area. That's why I think the idea of using spatial sequencing is very important for our study because we care about the specific Subregion of that stroke area and this could give us more information about different cell populations as we can distinguish different types of neurons as well as subtypes of neurons like interneurons and primary neurons as well as astrocytes and microglia we can know that what is happening to all these kinds of neuron populations after stroke and during the recovery of stroke which is very critical and that's how I think spatial uh, sequencing can help us and help our study.
1: For our project, really trying to understand the region-specific gene signature of plasticity will make a huge difference. Especially considering that when we play with our stimulations, we do this is work that Song is doing, we really target specific cell populations, and those are our primary targets. So yeah, these approaches definitely will bring a huge advantage in our understanding of how neuromodulations work
0: in the brain. Would I be right in saying that the desire would be uh, eventually to perhaps induce neuroprotective expression and plasticity if if that could be isolated and manipulated slash understood
1: be a way to see yeah definitely definitely
0: and Dr. Wang uh, what was your experience in applying for brain tank neuroscience grant?
2: I saw this information of the Nanostream Brain Tank Neuroscience Grant, which I think it's the first year of this grant from our institute's newsletter. It's a very lucky I saw it. And at that point, um, I find something really interesting in my results about neuronal plasticity for stroke recovery after optogenetic stimulation. That's from the preliminary uh, data Matilda collected of the electrophysiology signal in the brain. And uh, when I'm super excited about my results, and then I saw this grant, then I thought it would be terrific if we could use spatial transcriptomics to test our hypothesis and back up this preliminary findings in our story. So I applied the grant online and then I got exciting news that I made into the finalists and there will be a pitch competition for the finalists. Um, Then I discussed the detailed research plan with my supervisor Mathilde um, and we practiced a few times and I pitched my idea with all my passion to the uh, panel of judges from both Nanostring and the academia. I think I moved them. I I I also got some great suggestions and feedbacks on on that day. And I thought, no matter what the results were, the process is really worth it. But fortunately, I was told that I won the competition, and our project will be supported by Nanostring and very excited and the project is is now uh, currently in process at the moment we are speaking and we are super excited to see uh, the results
0: can i ask um about the the method of the experiment
2: sure i will give uh you a very brief introduction of what is neuron oscillation or brain oscillation and also the definition for different uh, frequency band of oscillations so uh, basically a neuron oscillation means the rhythm of of the brain and it is also known as brain waves, if it's easier to understand. And it can be detected by a lot of electrophysiology techniques, like for example, the EEG recording in humans, and we use local field potential. That is another way to extract a neural activity or neural oscillations from um, animal model. And there are different bands of neural oscillations, and it's slightly different from animals to humans, but generally there are a few very typical bands for neural oscillations, including alpha. I think theta to start with, or alpha to start with, is from 1 to 4 hertz, and theta is usually from to 12 hertz, and then beta from 12 to 30 hertz, and gamma from 30 to uh, 100 hertz. And gamma oscillation has been shown to be involved in Information transmission in the brain. So it is very critical for memory and learning in both animals and human beings. And previous study have showed that using gamma frequency band stimulation could uh, help the uh, Alzheimer's disease patients to promote their symptoms. And that's why it, this studies inspired us which we could probably also use this uh, gamma um, frequency stimulation to induce gamma oscillations in the brain and then help the uh, stroke recovery for animals and humans. Our Preliminary um, electrophysiology data showed an enhancement of functional synaptic plasticity in the motor cortical uh, neurons of mice that following stroke receive gamma range optogenetic stimulation treatment. Um, Now we just want to complete our story by uh, using bioinformatic gene oncology analysis to basically identify genes uh, in different cell populations that's potentially involved in this um, synaptic plasticity modulation process, which will promote a neuron protection after stroke. So we developed our stroke mice model into three different groups, including no stimulation, 40 Hertz, which is a gamma range frequency stimulation, and another different uh, controls frequency stimulation groups. And one day after the neural modulation, we will fix the brain and examine the genomic and transcriptomic profiling of the different uh, cortical regions of the neurons, microglia and astrocytes to identify genes potentially involved in this process. Since we have observed interregional communication across cortical regions upon this gamma range of frequency stimulation with this the support of nanostring, uh Young Investigator Brain Tank Brand, we can use spatial sequencing to investigate, as I uh, described before, region-specific differential expression of the neuron plasticity genes in multiple cortical regions on both ipsilateral and contralateral stroke side of the brain. So combining our preliminary uh, electrophysiology data with this identified gene signature of neuronal plasticity would allow our work to pioneer a new conceptual framework in the field of brain stimulation in stroke.
0: If I could ask each of you What is a piece of advice you would give to someone thinking of pursuing neuroscience or academia in general?
2: For me, how complicated the brain functions, Uh, fascinates me. And that's, that's my passion. I mean, I think people should find what is your passion and what is the thing that drives you to wake up in the morning and makes you want to go to work. It can be, but not limited to science and neuroscience. Some people are very lucky to find it out at a very young age, but some might take some time Uh, like me, I need to try a few things to eventually find out, um, what is really my passion, Uh, but it doesn't matter. life is, um, is a marathon. It's not a sprint. And once you find it, just keep studying along the way. And, um, and once you find your passion, just go for it.
1: Something that I could add to that, um, but I think it's really, really important uh, to find the right environment, Uh, especially early on, find a good mentor, somebody that can help you through the process, a lab that supports you. Because, you know, science is a lot of up and downs. It's exciting most of the time, but there are some times that are, there are things to cope with and you want to be surrounded by people that support you and they care about your success. And another thing is that I think makes a huge difference is, and it's something that I would always recommend people is try to be ambitious. Science is a fantastic journey to explore but you need to be ambitious you need to set your goals very uh, in my opinion very high and uh, yeah it's like um you shouldn't be afraid to to, to discover and that comes with ambition yeah.
0: um thank you so much for your time dr Balvi and dr wang i look forward to catching up with you again when uh, your data is back Thank you for listening to this episode of the Spatial Navigator podcast brought to you by Nanostring. If you would like to know more about Nanostring's product and panel offerings, or speak to a member of our staff, please visit nanostring.com. You may also get in touch with us through LinkedIn, Instagram, or Twitter, the links to which are in the description.